Hey guys, welcome back to another podcast. This is Joe DeVito's podcast, episode 26. Uh, today's topic, Developing the Leader Within You by John C. Maxwell. So just finished this book and I did like the book. Um, I would say it taught me a lot and moreover, it gave me a lot of perspective of things I already knew. However, things I just didn't really know how to put into reality. What I mean by that is, um, you know, we know a lot of things. We have a lot of information, you know, within ourselves in terms of how to teach, but we don't know how to apply it. One thing that I've always had issues with is how to lead people because I've never really been a leader. I've always been off to the sidelines, not really a bystander, but off to the sidelines where I didn't really care too much about anything. Um, basically, you tell me what to do and I'll do my best to do it. And it was only recently in the last couple of months where, you know, training someone new at work, um, I'm trying to mentor people, I'm trying to give back. And now that people have reached out to me for maybe advice or mentorship, um, it's been a huge learning curve to me. And that's when I found this book and, you know, developing the leader within you. It sounds, you know, very, uh, I would say generic, you know, we've all seen leadership books and whatnot. And a lot of people think that uh, leadership is just, you know, setting a good example and teaching good qualities. But this book has shown me that there are so many more things uh, to life and to leadership than what really entails in what you see in movies and what you see in actual organizations, uh, maybe one that you work for. So I'm going to break down <clears throat> basically what I took away from this book. Um, I'm hoping you guys can take some form of value from it as well. Um, I would say first and foremost, the idea of this book is not to just become a manager because you know job titles don't mean a whole lot nowadays. It's more of what you do with that job title and how that pertains to your work performance and the actions that you take within that organization to actually make a difference. You will have people at <clears throat> lower levels in an organization that can perform maybe above standard in their own level. Maybe they've maxed out their position and maybe they're doing things that people above them on that pyramid or that hierarchy uh, in the organization uh, may not be doing. So that's currently where I find myself doing things that are not pertaining to my own job position and I simply don't care because... It's making me a better person and it's helping me become honestly just you know more uh, involved in the workplace and involved in uh, knowing how to be diversified and knowing how to multitask and just basically being better I say that a lot so <clears throat> get used to it so first and foremost uh, leader managers so these are this is something where I never really had a full definition of what a manager was what a leader was my own definition, first and foremost, would be someone who leads by example <clears throat> and sets good qualities uh, in terms of their image and tries to teach those they're mentoring to. And that's a very generic description. Um, <clears throat> but as the book describes it, uh, these are long-term thinkers who see beyond day's crisis and they like to look at quarterly reports. Now, what I took away from this quarterly reports being that they always look back 
on their performance and they always look back on how their actions played out whether it came across maybe consequence wise or it came across uh, in a good way or a bad way it's really hard to say and you know how basically this how all the company's departments come together they all affect one another in some form of way um, so business is basically where we reach beyond what we call the specific areas of influence. We go beyond, you know, what's really understood in the work environment. <clears throat> and the book pertains to, you know, having a heavy emphasis on vision, values, and motivation. And these are all words we hear every single day. And a lot of people are like, oh, you know, it's, you just have to be motivated. You just have to have a vision. You have to see the bigger picture. And in reality, what is seeing the bigger picture? That's something that I want to leave with you guys just for a moment before we move on. Um, when you become a leader or a manager or someone in your business who is given a higher role, um, what is the big picture that you have in your mind that you want to achieve in this business? Are you going to be a follower? Which means you're going to come into work every single day, do what task was given to you and then leave for the day that's it go to the bar you know do whatever enjoy yourself you worked hard today right or are you going to go to work question why in your current position you're being given the same work and question yourself why am i not being given more work outside of my job description doing this i can guarantee you will tell your managers that you want to take on more responsibility and that means by taking on more responsibility you're taking on more accountability and that shows that you want to climb the ladder and it's really hard to explain exactly how this can be accomplished by every single one of you who may be listening because it's different for every single person um, in my business, it could be a lot different than your business. In your business, you may not have the opportunity or the luxury of taking on more work because, well, you may have just way too much on your plate. If you're already working 90 hours a week, uh, I won't ask you to do this because you're already doing about, you're literally doing more than twice the amount of what most people are doing. However, it comes down to um, basically how you can manage yourself and how you could, you know, Keep yourself within the parameters before you implode and burn out. Burnout is extremely important to know as well. Um, and, you know, this, this book really emphasizes the fact that having a strong political skill to cope with what we call conflicting requirements of multiple constituents. And what that means to me, uh, it's a little bit confusing. I feel like it has a lot of different, um, I would say ideas revolving around that uh, i can't really go into that too much i was questioning myself on that earlier um but i would say when you find yourself in a situation and there's obviously a conflict and it requires an action there's certain ways that you can really respond to that and how are you basically going to manage it how are you going to lead the way and basically solve that issue that's just kind of the way i take it um there's probably someone out there who has a lot better explanation than me and you know, it's, I think it's up to personal preference. Uh, but ultimately, leadership is influence. And like I mentioned before, having a job title or a position doesn't necessarily mean that people are going to listen to you. I've seen people in higher positions where people simply do not care um, 
what they are told by that person in a higher position, whether you're an executive, an account manager, uh, you know, a manager in general, supervisor. You know, people may do what you require them to do, but they may not do it to your fullest expectations because they may not respect you. And I've learned that the hard way when I've tried to mentor people. Then I realized maybe I'm coming off a little bit too robotic. Uh, maybe I am not being a little bit heartfelt. Sometimes I have a way of coming off a little bit too hard. I've learned that in certain times I've slightly, you know, stepped out of the parameters where I've micromanaged and I'm the one person who does not like to micromanage. If anything, I like to let people be and I like to let those people figure out what they need to accomplish and what they need to figure out by themselves. Basically, I like to let people struggle to the fullest extent until they say, I cannot do this. I've tried six different ways. I can't figure it out. And I've even you know, mentored people where I said, I need you to edit this. Maybe it's uh, an email format. And they'll edit it. And I'll look at it. I said, do it again. And they'll be like, okay, what's wrong with it? I said, you tell me. They edit it again. This is the second time they edit it, right? And I read it and I told them, edit it again. And they'll say, well, what's wrong with it? I said, please read it. Take your time. Please take all the time you need. Edit it again. I said, and then I'll tell you what's wrong with it. So this person I'm mentoring edits it three times and now it looks absolutely stellar. So then I say, edit it one more time. I'm pretty sure you got it now. And by then this person I'm speaking to absolutely irritated and they said, I don't even know how to edit this anymore. I feel like it's maxed out. I said, okay, you want to know what the issue was? And they asked me, what was the issue? I said, the issue was that you doubted yourself the first time. First time, it was completely fine. The fact is, you listened to me and you took my word for it. And that should reason, that should basically ring a bell in your mind that you can't always listen to a manager expect them to be right sometimes you have to question things to a certain degree um it's always good to question but i mean don't feel like you have to question absolutely everything um you know reason you know weigh the options sometimes there is no reason to question something when it's just very obvious or clear and the person i was mentoring uh simply was irritated after the fourth time of editing this email so they basically ended up sending the first draft that they uh had to edit the email for not the fourth time they edited that email and basically what the lesson in that story was you shouldn't always listen to your managers and expect them to be right because managers sometimes will make mistakes we're all human beings right it happens so going back to leadership having influence leadership is not basically obtaining um a new position and feeling powerful with it a lot of people think if i just get that next position i'm going to feel powerful i'm going to feel like i'm the man or whoever i'm the i'm whoever i'm powerful a position doesn't really mean a whole lot if you can't walk the walk and if you can't me up to the expectations if you can't influence those you're working alongside with or working above i don't usually like to even refer to people that i mentor those below me because i like to think we're all human beings and that we all you know stand on some form of you know an equal platform i'm not saying that you know like we're all the same like we're all human beings but in terms of experience level we're all different to a certain degree however 
I would say in the end, I like to think we work with each other. We don't like work on top of each other. You know, I'm sure you've heard the saying, a boss tells people to do, a manager works with his people. You know, like you basically help pull the rope. You don't just sit on their shoulders and, you know, tell them what to do. So the only thing you could, the only way you could really get through that is simply by influence. Power is simply influence. You see it every day, political figures, media, uh, managers at work. People in a hierarchy, especially those on the top of the pyramid, command presence. And if they've been with the organization long enough, it shows that because when they tell you what to do, people do it because they have the power to let you go. They have the power to discipline you, uh, suspend you. They could do whatever they want as long as they have reason if you are proving to be incompetent. So the power of influence comes at a price, of course, because you have to pay that through yourself giving an adequate amount of communication, recognition, influence. You know, your reputation is nowadays. Um, if you're a terrible manager, and I know a lot of fantastic managers, um, but if you're a terrible manager and you don't respect your employees, they will not respect you. They will talk behind your back. And <clears throat> that's fine because they may be temporary. However, leadership is literally the epitome of getting people to work for you who are not obligated to. So basically, when you ask someone, hey, can you help me out with this? That employee will go out of their way to assist you with that <clears throat> because they believe that by going the extra mile, they're helping you add to that big picture of what the goal of the company is, what that big vision of the company is. And a lot of people don't really simply understand that because bottom line, there are qualities in terms of how to be more successful, but these are achieved at different levels. Now the first level, and I made a video on this about a week and a half ago, Knowing your job description thoroughly, you have to know your job description. If you come in and you go, oh, what is your job description? Oh, well, I check my emails, I respond to customers, oh, I think that's it. If you think, you think or you know, you should know your job description thoroughly. So when someone asks you, you go, yes, I, uh, I work in a sales-induced role, um, you know, I sell A and B to these types of customers, um, you know, we work for an aggregate, you know, uh, you know, company in this type of industry, and we provide this type of service, blah, 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 blah. And they're like, wow, this guy really knows what he's talking about. And they know that you are aware of the history of your organization. They know you have it together. You've studied this. You've practiced it in front of the mirror. You look at yourself in the mirror, and you repeat to yourself a hundred times if you have to. I work at company X, and this is my role, and this is what I do, and this is the history of my company. So anyone at any point in time can ask you right off the bat, out of the blue, what do you do for your company and what is your company's history? You can answer that. And they know that you actually care about your organization. You know, if you don't even know when your company was founded, that's unfortunate. Everyone should know that. Everyone should know who the company was founded by, when it was founded, what struggles and consequences they went through to get to where they are today. And industries, I would say that it's a really interesting for is uh, medical, you know, medical companies um, in the health industry. Because all these companies go back to the 15 and 1600s. So it's a long history to memorize. But um, obviously, that's up to you. That's your own due diligence. Um, but going forward, you know, we have to also relate to organizations history to people of that organization. 
that sounds confusing. But what I mean by that is being a team player. Um, I'm one who has always been, pardon me, I have to fix my camera. <clears throat> I'm someone who has always been very resistant, stubborn, you know, father was a former Marine. So, you know, maybe I just didn't like to listen. However, I've learned over the last year and a half how to be a team player. And I used to think that, you know, if you can be like a team of one and just do as much as you can, then you'll do fine. And you know what that means? Burnout. Simply means burnout. Um, but burnout is temporary. It's not consistent, which leads me to my next point. You have to do your job with consistent excellence. Every single day you come in, you know, if I see people that are tired in the morning, they're like, oh, I'm so tired. You know, I tell them, hey, coffee's hot. And you know what? The morale is high today. So you better come in and you better get to work. And I don't mean that in a way where it comes off threatening or like intimidating. It's just more of, do you want to be here? Because if you're going to complain about it, I know people who would love to be in your position. And I would love to tell you that, you know, I can basically assist you with your role or your job or your task, whatever you've been tasked with for the day and do more than what's expected for myself. And I could find people that would love your position who would be able to do more than you because they just want an opportunity to prove themselves. A little side note, <clears throat> one of the hardest things that I've had an issue with post-college when I graduated in 2020, of course, was finding a job. And when I finally found a job, um, you know, all it takes is just one manager to look at you and go, He's a recent college grad. You know, of course, college degrees don't mean a whole lot anymore because they're just so inflated. But you need one manager to just look at you and go, you know what? We're going to give this guy a chance. We're not so much looking at the experience, the college degree, you know, what you did in college. We're looking at your character. We're looking at, like, you know, face value, what your integrity looks like. And from that, maybe we can get a pre-notion of, who you are and maybe we'll just take a chance on you could be a financial loss it could be one of the best financial future gains that we've ever encountered you could make a lot of money for us i don't know so basically when a manager hires it's a gamble it's always a gamble the employee could stay for a month and be totally just terrible get fired or they could stay for a year gain experience and then leave and go to a different company where they get a better offer it happens a lot and then that's where it comes down to managers and leaders to say hey we need to keep retention going that's incentives you know maybe paying more increase but it's not always about money because money is just an asset it's it's tangible to a certain degree however money is something that will not win happiness it is definitely a form of assisting to getting things in terms of making you a little bit happier but ultimately morale is where it's really at for me if i come in an office and it's dead oh i don't want to work today blah 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 i want to go home if i come to the office and they're like hey line two you know type of thing like we got a lot of work to do today like let's do this we can do this i thrive for that that's absolutely just fabulous to me so <clears throat> yeah so that's basically you know what the first level <laughs> of uh, being successful for leadership pertains to and uh, doing more than what's expected of course i try to do that as much as i can and you know i think burnout is 
I think it's mental. I don't really believe in burnout because I just don't give up. I've never been the smartest person in the room. Um, I'm pretty good at listening now and listening to those who are very smart because I like to think I can learn something from them. Um, however, <clears throat> when it comes down to it, I would say I'm an extremely hard worker. I do not give up. I, In terms of like productivity and how much I put in per week with work and whatnot, I would say my productivity is between 60 and 70 hours because I, I keep track of it. You know, I... If if it means getting five hours of sleep a night, people think, oh, you have to get eight hours of sleep a night. And there's a reason why I've accomplished so much in just 2022, not to boast, but mainly because I took it upon myself to say, hey, I want to do more with my life because whole entire life as a degenerate, I didn't really try in school. I just escaped by, you know, by doing the bare minimum. And I was mainly like a B and C student, never really the smartest nor the dumbest, just did enough just to get by. Just when I started to struggle, I was like, oh, we're past that class, you know, finally passed it. So not to get off topic, but um, the last point of level one is offering creative ideas for change and improvement. Now, this one, I'm a little I'm a little uh, torn in between here regarding this idea, because when you're at the lower level on the hierarchy, it's hard to offer these ideas without gaining criticism. But yet when you give ideas, criticism is always going to come out in some form or way. Because if you say something people don't like, they disagree with it right away. Second of all, people don't like to be told what to do. I don't like to be told what to do. However, if you're my manager and you tell me I need this by tomorrow, you're damn sure I'm going to do it for you because you're my manager. And also because I have a lot of respect for you as opposed to a coworker telling me, hey, do this. I'm going to be like, hey, uh, you might want to say that a little bit nicer because you work alongside me. You're not my manager. But besides the point, level two, this is where it gets a little bit more personal. And I like it. This is one I, I was able to connect with a little bit more. Um. <clears throat> Possessing genuine love for people. <laughs> I like to think that uh, I'm not one who's extremely heartfelt for things. You know, I don't show a lot of emotion. And I'm a guy. You know, guys aren't supposed to show a whole lot of emotion. But it's not like you have to love something so much and you have to be like, oh, wow, that's so cute, this and that. What I mean is you show that you care. Caring is an emotion because it shows that you're putting an effort to take notice of something. And you make those who you work with more successful because when you care you make them feel valued and i know as a fact that people that i work with yes they give me that uh that perspective of you know like hey your work is being recognized we appreciate you keep it up you know i don't need that you know in my ear every single day but for the most part things like that really they can get to you in a good way because it's like a B12 shot. Sometimes you just need that once in a while just to give you a little boost. Make you take a step back from the line and appreciate the fact that you're actually appreciated at the company. <clears throat> and another thing too, which I've had a lot of trouble with, but I've really, really practiced hard and long on, and I've really started to gain traction with, is seeing through other people's eyes. Seeing through other people's eyes is extremely important because... We can't assume what is happening in someone else's life 
their mind at that current point in time because we're not in their mind. We can't see through their eyes. They may be going through something that you may not. If you have a, hmm, an assumption, then you're just, I think you're at fault because you have no idea what's happening to them. So care for people, try to see things through their eyes, maybe try to speculate, but don't assume right away. And uh, one thing that I, I'm still having a little trouble accepting is loving people more than procedures. Now that's that's a little that's a little deep, especially for a book about leadership. Loving people more than procedures. I'm going to rephrase that and I'm going to say caring for people more than procedures. Employees come first in an organization. I've seen a lot of organizations where they put procedures first and they say employees come last. It's all about profit, money, you know, profitability, revenue, cash flow, whatever you want to call it. Um, I don't respect any company that does not put employees first. However, I do know of a lot of companies that do put their employees first before procedures. So a lot of respect there. And um, basically, do a win-win or don't do it at all. You know, if you don't want to attempt it, then don't try, especially if you're not going to put in 100%. And another thing too that I've really, really taken notice of is including people in your journey. So one thing I've noticed, a little side note, is that when people post, you know, if you have a LinkedIn account, and you post on LinkedIn, um, like a post, I just got a new job at this company, you know, or promotion, whatnot. People like it. <clears throat> Majority of the time, you get a lot of likes, you get a lot of comments. Good job, congratulations, well-deserved. Why? Because people like to think that they're standing next to you, if that's the right phrase, um, on this journey regarding your progress. As opposed to, I'm just going to add all this information on my LinkedIn, save it, but it doesn't put out any notification on your feed that you inputted all the information. But until people come across um, your LinkedIn account, they have to click in your portfolio. Oh, oh, he works at this company. Oh, he does this on the site. Okay, interesting. But <clears throat> it's not personable. You're just posting it and then you're leaving. There's no personable connection. There's no emotional attachment. When you post on your feed and people go wow joe like well deserved and you like their comment you're recognizing their acknowledgement and that's personable it's showing emotion so you're including others in your journey you're saying hey i want you all to see that i got a promotion not the boast but to show that i'm making progress on my journey others are going to respect that i would think if they don't you don't type of people though they are and uh, another thing too that this book has taught me, which has taught me a lot of things, is dealing wisely with difficult people. Um, I used to be the type that would literally blow up on someone, not like in a very rash manner, but basically like if it didn't go my way, like I'm out. Um, now I go through a couple step process in terms of dealing with difficult people. My first question is why? Why are they acting like this? Maybe it's not them. Maybe it's just something they're going through. Maybe it's me. <clears throat> it happens a lot. So dealing with difficult people is something that we all have to take a step back on and basically go through a couple step process, what I think. Um, and you go through a step, couple step process and you ask yourself questions. Why are they acting this way? Is it me? 
how can I help them if I'm not getting through to them right away? Do I need to maybe circle around them and approach a different way? These are all questions you can ask. And by reflecting, you know, quickly and speculating on what might the issue be, um, you may be able to figure out how to overcome that difficult situation. So that was level two. <clears throat> level three, uh, if you haven't noticed, this is where the pyramid starts to like climb. It's like triangle you know just starts to climb so level three is basically like the middle you know this is where you start to gain like some uh some steam in the organization as i like to call it you initiate and you accept responsibility for growth that's when you basically say hey i got a promotion at my new job um or i just got a new position and basically i'm going to initiate the fact that i'm working hard i'm accepting responsibility aka accountability and by doing this, you start to see that you're making a difference in the company, right? You're starting to gain, um, you know, momentum, as I would call it. And you start to develop what we call a statement of purpose. Statement of purpose means that you have a belonging at this company. You're making a difference. And it's very crucial because for the big picture of the company, it shows that you're assisting them with that vision, that image of succeeding long-term. You're like those pictures that are made of like a million tacks, like those little tacks you poke on a you know piece of paper. And you're that one little tack that's assisting in making that giant picture. And, you know, by performing well in your job and living up to the job's descriptions accurately and consistently with excellence, um, basically you're playing an integral part in the statement of that purpose. <clears throat> and by developing you know, accountability for these results, you're beginning to understand yourself. You're beginning to see how you're changing as an individual. Surrounding yourself with more responsibility, I believe, makes you a better person because it kind of gives you insight on looking through other people's eyes going, wow actually you know what i thought his job was easy i'm doing his job now it's not that easy it's extremely tough so you begin to understand things and you begin to become what we call humbled and then from there <clears throat> you begin to know and do things that give you what we call high return you know i'm not talking about compensation i'm talking about valuables you learn things learning is something people don't like to do anymore so I don't really preach it to a lot of people. I'll talk about it. And if I notice people who are natural learners or who are just wanting to know more, they're curious, right? I'll go ahead and I'll try to teach them. But I won't push them because, you know, you, we can all lead the horse to water. It doesn't mean they're going to drink. So knowing and doing the things gives a high return. And it doesn't mean, like I mentioned before, compensation. It doesn't mean commission, bonuses, money, whatever. Um, in this case, the high return could be you mentored somebody. That somebody took those skills, took your you know mentorship, and they applied it towards themselves to where now maybe they might be in your position in the future and they're mentoring someone else. They're continuing that cycle of success. <clears throat> and then we have becoming a change agent and understanding timing. I'm terrible at timing. Sometimes I just say things, I do things, I don't even think about it, and I don't regret it. And now I'm coming to understand that with leadership, there is always a point in time when you have to say something at the right time, especially if morale is swayed. So um, 
what the book mentions is <laughs> become a change agent. So you're basically an agent of yourself, but you have to become an agent where you understand leadership in your own sense, your own way. So that's just the way I took it. And of course, with that, you have to make difficult decisions that make a difference. Now, whether you get to the point in time when you have to let someone go, you have to reprimand someone for doing something, or you have to um, intermediate between two employees which are having a confrontation, I don't know. That's up to you. Level four, we're moving up the pyramid here, and I'm so glad you guys are still listening. Um, realizing that people are your most valuable asset. Um, I used to have a hard time investing into people because you know the moment they started to maybe downgrade themselves or go through certain issues, have consequences, maybe because they weren't doing things properly, I would sort of lose faith in them. And it only took about <clears throat> five or six years, realistically, of like going through like that education factor before it finally clicked in my mind. How many people have mentored me or who have given leadership, you know, type of, um, I don't know, qualities, you know, and just they basically taught me and i was very resistant or stubborn i've made mistakes and yet throughout that whole entire process they still decided to stay in contact with me or they still decided to teach me and to basically lead me because they trusted the process so that's one thing that finally clicked with me after about six years um and i'm extremely humbled so i know you people are listening thank you so realizing people are your most valuable asset, um, realizing that at one point in time, someone has mentored you, tutored you, trained you, led you, and you've made so many maybe dumb mistakes that might have caused either the company something, maybe relation mistakes, um, you might have caused a relationship, whatever level of leadership, I don't know. Um, but yet they basically invested into you long term, just like a stock. A stock may go down one day, it may go up the next day, it's a long term hold. And then, we, of course, going forward with that, we have to place a priority on what we call developing people. You know, you have to kind of like mold people. You can't force them to become what you want them to become, but sometimes people mold themselves and they don't even realize it until they're in that position, training someone or leading someone in their own fashion to where, hey, I see what Joe is you know, trying to say now. Um, so basically they're developing themselves and they don't even realize it up until they're actually training someone and they say, wow, you know, I remember when I was being trained by whoever, and then all of a sudden they realize they've either molded themselves or I gave them the tools in the beginning on terms of how to mold and now they're molding themselves. So you basically have to be a model for others to follow. And we've all heard these before. These are all common sayings, you know, this is nothing new. However, in terms of putting it into perspective and living by it day by day is extremely difficult because in one point in time, you know, split second decision, we can just decide to give everything up <clears throat> and just say, I don't care. I don't want to lead. You know, there'd be some weeks when maybe I'm mentoring and I'm extremely lazy. I'm tired. I do not want to be bothered. And I have to think to myself, I said, go look in a mirror and think to yourself, it's not about you. It's about the person you're mentoring. They are more important right now because they are a valuable asset. You are investing into something that could be something huge long term. You know, 
what I like to think about is like if you're mentoring someone and you're not really doing a great job because you don't really care or because you get frustrated every step of the way, it's like investing into a penny stock. It's not going to go anywhere. But if you invest into a penny stock and you have faith in it, over time, it does well, let's just say. The rare case, it does well for a penny stock. And it does well. You said, I trusted the process and now I am reaping the rewards. Beautiful, right? Absolutely beautiful. So be a model for others to follow. And you have to pour your leadership efforts into the top 20% of people. I'm glad this book mentioned this. It's what we call the Pareto principle. You put the top, um, basically like all your effort, like 80% of your effort into 20% of your top people. And people disagree with this model because they say, oh, what about the remaining 80% people? Pareto principle, 20% of people do 80% of the work and 80% is done of the work is done by 20% of the people. And yes, I've, th- I've seen this a lot. <clears throat> so you put your leadership efforts into the top 20% of those people. And when those 20% of the people split up and lead themselves, whew, you have something going. You have a strong organization going. Of course, the right ideas have to be ingrained into those top 20%. But the reason why you're training those top 20% is because you saw the qualities, the potential. You saw that image. You, like, you basically thought to yourself, like, thinking about it, these top 20% of the people are going to become something huge in the future. And like, I can manifest this into a big picture and it's become something that's just huge. And this is going to increase productivity for the organization. And you're basically allowing <clears throat> yourself to expose key leaders to growth opportunities. And when you do that, you attract other winners and producers to the common goal. And of course, with that, you have to surround yourself with what we call the inner core that complements leadership. Being true to oneself. You know, um, if you do something successful at work and you accomplish something, it's like, oh, I was the one who did that. Just know that like deep down in your inner core, you know you did that, but you don't have to expose it on the outside, you know, because you're humble. You know, it's basically like it's a, it's a short, you know, um, it, you basically it's a win that's enjoyed for a short period of time. And then you move forward for that. People compliment your leadership. That's the way I take it. There's going to be a lot of different I would say understandings of what I just said or perspectives, but you can take it however you want. Now we have the last level of the pyramid. This is my favorite. Um, So your followers are loyal and sacrificial. That's confusing because if you think about it, you know, when you join an organization and you look at your manager, what does your manager say to you? Hey, can you do this for me? Oh, of course. You know, you're loyal. You respect the company because you don't want to get fired. Hopefully, you want the opportunity to climb the ladder or, in this case, the pyramid. And you're willing to sacrifice, right? Because you want to appeal to those higher up. And it's about recognition. It's about loyalty. It's about being trusted. Trust equals respect. Respect equals leadership, right? And while you're on the tip of this pyramid, level five, um, basically, you've spent years mentoring and molding these leaders to where now they can take those 
qualities and they could go to, I don't know, maybe another group of people and start mentoring from there. And then they could start multiplying their own little group of future successful leaders. <clears throat> and uh, in this case, I really love what the book mentions. It says, you have become a statesman, a consultant, and sought out by others. Because <clears throat> ultimately, in the end, when you mentor people, you lead them in a successful manner to where those people go off and they become very successful. Word of mouth gets out, you know, hey, this guy's reputation is great. He knows how to lead. He trained me. He led me. I don't know, whatever you want to call it. And basically, people seek you out because they say, well, you trained so-and-so. And then all of a sudden, word gets out. A lot of people said that. There might be something very good about you that people want to learn from you. So people are willing to listen just because other people told them something when they've never even met you. So that is the power of word of mouth and reputation. And of course, your greatest joy comes from watching others grow and develop. One of the things I've really taken away from this book is that saying right there, your greatest joy comes from watching others grow and develop. I've seen quite a few people who've actually taken my advice <clears throat> and it may not be like stock advice. Oh, actually take that back stock recommendations. Um, but when it comes to advice, I don't know, like me, like relationship advice or whatnot, um, or just how to overcome a, a, you know, confusing situation, whatever you want to call it. Um, they succeed and I'm extremely happy for them. However, when I succeed in something, the happiness is short-lived because I don't like to drown myself in my success because that's when you become non-humble, I call it. And I like to make sure my success is short-lived and I'm on to the next big thing. It's a part of being humble. But when you see people grow and develop, that's when you really start to transcend into the organization. Now, of course, when you in an organization, I should say, um, are leading, consulting, whatever you want to call it, <clears throat> you're always going to have issues within that organization with leading. And the most common issues are abuse. This could be too few employees are doing too much. Um, basically, you have not that many employees, but you're giving them too much workload and telling them to basically diversify and to invest their time into more work. And it's not fair for their time. They're not being compensated that amount to do that type of work. Now, if they're asking for that type of work, it's not abuse, it's willingness because they want to do it. Um, one that I connect with a lot is disuse because that's what we call too many employees are doing the wrong things. Actually, sorry, too many employees are doing too little. And I've seen this in a few organizations that I've been a part of in the past where I'd literally finish my work, have nothing to do for like two or three hours. I'd ask my supervisor, hey, can I help you with something? And this is companies in the past, you know, years ago. <clears throat> and I would say, hey, you know, can I help you with something? Nope, I got nothing. You know, like just go watch YouTube. On your computer, they would literally tell me, like, go watch YouTube. I said, wow, that's really depressing. So, um eventually that company had a lot of turnover they didn't need a lot of the employees working there so that's disuse misuse too many employees are doing the wrong things it's kind of hard to <clears throat> put this into perspective because i haven't really seen this too much if you're in a job description you pretty much know what you need to do because 
if you don't, your manager will let you know. So that's short-lived. Um, saying no to the good to say yes to the best. I'll let you ponder on that one. I'm pretty sure that's self-explanatory. But in terms of you know continuing to do better in terms of leadership, uh, there's a few things that you know the book mentions that we can all take into account into our own perspective. Um, one is it's to create conserve criticize and to change this is a revolving circle to me you have to create a style to be effective right you can't just say oh i'm going to be effective i'm going to do my job well how are you going to do your job you have to create a layout are you going to do it on a consistent basis or are you going to do it in spurts or you know you're going to do your work extremely hard for a little bit stop come back an hour later it all depends you have to create it Next, you have to conserve it. <clears throat> Me, I feel like you have to basically conserve, like, be careful in terms of, like, how much energy you expend. That's just the way I take it. I could be wrong. Um, but that's just in terms of being effective. You have to be conservative. Actually, no. Conserve. I would say making the right decisions, that's better for conserving. And then criticizing is criticizing those decisions that you made um, to basically learn and be better. And then you have to change your ways. If you don't change your ways after you know you've made wrong decisions, then you clearly have not learned from them. And from that, you're becoming a better person. We become a better person, that means we say the right words. That means we read the right books you know we listen to the right things um we hang out with the right people for example these are all good things you know you do the right things you might pray the right prayer if you're into that and from that you know the more people you develop the more people you help lead will ultimately return that favor to you hopefully in success <clears throat> um so one point that i really want to outline that I've actually practiced, especially after reading this book, is how to gauge priorities. I'm not one to really, I would say, not procrastinate. I've been a pretty big procrastinator my whole entire life. But how the book lays it out, and you know, this is something I didn't come up with. This is something that the book outlined. Um, it says, first, it's a 10-step process. It's fairly simple. You write this down, and I guarantee you, you will see yourself change in a positive way. <clears throat> First step, you write your task in a journal. It may be old school, but it works best because it's tangible. It's something that's visible. So it allows you to manifest what you need to get done, and it makes you more productive. You carry it around with you all day. It's rather, you know, rather than a phone, you get to just click it. Cool, task is done. <clears throat> it doesn't mean a whole lot. Next, one that I'm utilizing a lot now is my calendar. <clears throat> I have a calendar in my journal. So this vision basically gives me you know, the ability to tackle my task easier, <clears throat> make room for the unforeseen. You know, If I have something going on, let's just say Friday, and I have a lot of tasks, I said, I'll give myself two to three hours of empty space you know, in between when I have to accomplish those tasks because something may happen unforeseen like last minute like oh we need you to stay over for work or we need you to do this or maybe something happened with family always give yourself a little buffer to account for the unforeseen and it's true because we can't read the future so <clears throat> uh set time off to the side for the unforeseen yeah 
that's what i just said so set a half day or basically where you don't do any task whatsoever <clears throat> just in case something arises so you're basically kind of like on standby that's the way i took it focusing on one task at a time i like to diversify and i personally like to multitask <clears throat> and it's not the best to be honest because you stretch yourself way too thin i remember in high school um <clears throat> i took a few ap classes i took a lot of classes i stretched myself thin i didn't get the best grades why because i did too much <clears throat> come college ironically enough four years junior year of high school that's when i had those issues with the ap classes junior year of college i took 18 units you know upper division business classes didn't do well you know as i thought i would because i stretched myself too thin why because i was overly optimistic i didn't focus on one thing you know a couple core classes i focused on way too many core classes <clears throat> excuse me and from that you know i just didn't do too well but now i'm learning how to prioritize by prioritize by importance and the order of importance basically is to me stretching reading and studying <clears throat> Excuse me. Next, you have to organize your workspace. It has to be free from distractions. My desk is pretty clean for the most part. I don't have it cluttered with clothes and other random items because I feel like it's like my mind. If my mind is clear and free from distractions, I am clear. Same with my desk. <clears throat> Number six, work according to your attitude. If you're not a morning person, either don't work at that time or become a morning person and be more productive at that time. So basically, to me, I was never a morning person. You tried to wake me up at 6.30 in the morning, wasn't going to happen. And now I wake up at 4.30. And if I snooze, it's usually until 4.45. I'm very specific with my routine. Um, I'm very consistent. I've been doing this every single day for the last year and a half. And I probably failed at it once or twice maybe three times and that's because i just know what i have to do in the beginning it's extremely tough but that's because your mind is going through a change that it's not used to so you have to be comfortable being uncomfortable if that makes sense to you so one that the book really really drives hard is driving time for light work and growth which I don't really agree with because when i drive i'm completely focused on driving so i don't care about anything else i even really i even resist taking phone calls on bluetooth and uh i don't like to be distracted but it says you know have a book handy or a podcast obviously you're not going to read a book unless you have a tesla and you're on autopilot but if you're like downtime parked on the side of the street i don't know read a book listen to a podcast um what systems work best for you don't find systems, improve it. These systems have been in place longer than you have been in place. So clearly, if it's been in place longer than you have, they're clearly doing something right, especially if they're profitable. So instead of being resistant to it, try to figure out a way to maybe streamline a process, make it better. I don't know, ask more questions. If you see an issue, go ahead and question it. You never know. You could make a change. <clears throat> so there's that. Have a plan for time off in between work and meetings. Um, what, the, what the meaning of this is, is like, hey, you have 10, 15, 20 minutes off. What are you going to do in, in between that time? Are you going to go on your phone and scroll on Twitter or Instagram? No, read a book. 
you know, record, digest. I don't know. And then last but not least, results are better than activity because one of the things that we all have an issue on is when we want to accomplish something, the number one thing that sets us back is the action phase because planning is extremely easy. You can write it down in a journal. You can write it down on a computer. However, it's just an activity. It hasn't really been set into you know motion, um, but results are the by basically it's the after product of you putting in that action if that makes sense <clears throat> so there's that and of course you know with all these qualities with all these tips that i just mentioned for the last however long i've been speaking for i kind of lost track of time um what it really comes down to in terms of leadership is uh appreciating people that you work with mentoring people and helping them feel like they're in on things people feel like they're involved they're going to want to become more involved into that company they don't they're going to be resistant they will not come to functions they will not want to come to meetings they'll be very resistant they won't basically give any input uh when it's asked like open forum and i feel like one of the things that management could come to understand is understanding their personal problems because management sometimes seems a little bit disconnected according to uh, societal gener generalizations. Management doesn't really maybe care about their employees. Not that, that's not the case all the time. Um, you have to reach out and you have to become personable, but you have to ask. You have to talk to people. You have to break open their little shell. You know, Just talk to them. They may tell you more than what you wanted to hear. <clears throat> and... Um, before I let this podcast go, um, there was a statistic in the book that really made me step back and think about the reality. Now, I don't remember when this book was written, but the book mentions that 85% of the workers across the U.S., in this survey, of course, 85% said that they could work harder on their job. More than half claimed they could double their effectiveness, effectiveness if they wanted to. That's terrible. If you know you can do more, why don't you? Because you're lazy. That's why. So you don't want to produce because you're not motivated and possibly because you're not appreciated. <clears throat> I, like I mentioned before, I don't have to hear a good job, Joe, every single day. I know I'm doing a good job. And I know when I'm not doing a good job. So it can be frustrating when, you know, players not reaching out to their employees or their coworkers. And sometimes we just need a little push. But of course, with all these things in mind, um, you know, preparation, the process, even that can cause boredom. And, you know, it was mentioned that even General uh, General Grant, <clears throat> um, this is funny, he kept simple-minded soldiers close mainly because when he had to explain a command, he had to be sure that that simple-minded soldier could understand it. So when Grant basically explain that to maybe his generals his generals wouldn't be baffled like oh i don't understand what you're talking about so just know that your decisions will always be criticized by those below but if those below can understand what type of decisions you're making those above will definitely understand it for the most part so all in all i hope you guys took uh, some form of value from this this was an extremely long book but i took a lot of things and put a lot of those things into perspective i put a lot of those things into action actually 
um, because planning doesn't do anything. So have to put into action, right? If I don't, the book didn't teach me anything. Um, like I mentioned before, hope you guys took some value from this. I hope that you can take these um, points and utilize them. Hope you can mentor people and teach them because you know this is really the age where people don't just necessarily like want mentorship. They need mentorship. You know, we're not seeing as many leaders today as we've seen in the past uh, with all the social media and technology nowadays basically giving us so much information. Um, it's really disconnecting our society. It's disconnecting our next generation. I'm part of Generation Z, and I've seen a lot of people have just <clears throat> fallen off after college, and it's honestly sad. I wish I could just help these people up, but... I can't help everybody. So it all starts with one person influencing them and then it multiplies from there. So hopefully we can go from there and just keep being better. So other than that, I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe and I'll talk to you guys next time. Take care.